unfortunately. This doesn't make me sound like a healthy, well-adjusted person, but you're you know, not. I'm not. <laughs> Get off the podcast right now. Hello, friends. Hello, friends. And welcome back to Pickles and Vodka, the mental health podcast where imperfect people have imperfect conversations. I'm Christina. And I'm Lauren. And this is not a movie review podcast. If you're if this is your first episode here <laughs> and you're like, oh, they're they're reviewing movies. We don't normally do this. But the thing is, we are depressed people. <laughs> And we're not always able to stick to a release schedule. So, like, this week was going to be a poll episode. I never released the poll. We never even talked about what a poll would. We didn't even talk about it. Yeah. So if she'd released one, it would have been a surprise to me, too. I probably would have answered it. So, yeah, our big secret is we don't really plan things that well. When it comes to this podcast, this is totally a hobby for us. And mm-hmm. we love doing it, but mm-hmm. it's kind of all over the place. But yeah. so are our brains, and so is life. Yes. And sometimes <laughs> in life, you just need a break. And so this week, we're giving ourselves a break and doing our third ever movie review. Mm-hmm. I am so excited about this movie that we've chosen. <laughs> but before... <laughs> I only had two cups of coffee before this. I was going to say before we jump into the movie, uh, I want to do a little bit of recap of our Mm -hmm. weeks because you gave a pretty big announcement last week on the podcast. Yes. I mean, I'm still sitting where I was before, which means I feel about 80% certain most of the time that within a month, I'm probably heading back to treatment. Yes. So it sucks. (laughs) It does suck, but it's also needed. Yeah. Would you disagree with that? Uh, well, again, about 80% of the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's I can't just ask a depressed person if they think that they deserve help on the podcast. Well, the thing is, is I feel like my, my big argument had been, it still continues to like play in my head of like, because obviously I don't want to leave my life. I don't want to disrupt everything. I don't want to leave my animals. And Tell new listeners what you're going to treatment for. For the eating disorder. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, that's, that's simply, yeah. And how long have you had an eating disorder at this point? Well, go listen to episode number 44. Oh, me. nice plug. <laughs> You're better at this than I am. Yeah, if you want to hear more about Lauren's story, go listen to episode 44, which is when she first appeared on this podcast as a guest. I was hosting mm-hmm. alone at the time. <laughs> and look at us now. We're here talking about a children's movie about depression. Sorry. Continue with how you're doing. <laughs> yeah, so it's been a while. And what I was saying is I, I feel like, you know, like not wanting to disrupt my life. Now, I've done this before. You know, the last time I had to go was, I don't know, like three, four years ago. And, you know, kind of was hoping that would be the last time, of course. We all do. We always hope it's the last time. Exactly. You don't go in thinking like, <laughs> well, I'll plan for next year. Because <laughs> if there's anything we are, it's optimistic, right? <laughs> Yes. But, but anyway, so I, I feel like what, what kind of like helped decide is I had been um, telling myself like, well, why, why can't I just get myself like just pull yourself together? Like do do it even though it's not feeling instinctual right now. Just just do it so that you can continue to live your life like you want to and not have to go through this crappiness and everything. 
And I would think in, in that moment, like, yeah, you know, I just, I just gotta bear down and get through it and just do it. But then I'd realize a couple days later, like, I said I should be able to, but I didn't. Yeah, that's the thing. If you could have done it on your own, surely you would have by now. At least, like, that's what I always told myself. And it, it's mm-hmm. hard to realize that you can't do it on your own. I mean, we t- kind of touched on this in our procrastination episode. You keep putting these things off because you really don't want to do it or you feel like you don't need it. Or, you know, mm-hmm. you convince yourself that it's just not going to happen for whatever reason. And I think you have come to the point where you have accepted that you need help and you've taken the steps. And that is honestly the hardest thing. Like you did that. Yeah. And that's why until I actually like step in the door, then I can't say I'm 100% sure, 100% feeling it. But yeah, you're never going to. 80% is saying I'm admitting probably. (laughs) If you're waiting for the day that you're going to 100% want to go to treatment or get help, it's not going to come. And in that moment, you need to just ask yourself, what is it I need? And like, you're parenting yourself right now. At the end of the day, it's like you said, you just want to get through it. You know, it's like eating your vegetables, which ties into this movie we're about to talk about. (laughs) Yes, it does. (laughs) No one wants to do it. But sometimes you just got to force yourself, find a way to get through it however you can, and then deal with the next step when it comes. Like, don't worry Mm -hmm. about what you're supposed to be feeling or whatever. Like, you're in the moment. That's it. So here's... I, I'm just going to take a little curveball. Here's Perfect. something else um, <laughs> about my last couple of days. So I have this thing where, I mean, a lot of people I've heard have this, like where, where your ears kind of like build up like wax more than most people. And, you know, that's why they have this like ear flushing thing that some people have to get done. You talked about this before in an episode, but I think I like cut out most of it. <laughs> oh, that's fine. But, but it relates now because it's been happening and I've been knowing in the back of my head, like, oh, you know, I'm probably going to have to get that done pretty soon and start thinking about that. And I woke up yesterday and just 100% could not hear out of one ear and the other oh, one shit. wasn't so great. So yeah, so I was like, okay, I guess I have to get that done today then. <laughs> Don't you love it when things become necessary in the instant? Like sometimes that's the only way I ever do things is when they escalate into an emergency. Because that's what I've been thinking in my head, like probably within the month that I should d- take care of this. And I was like, oh, probably within the uh, six hour period. <laughs> we didn't talk about that on the procrastination episode, how the result of procrastinating for so long on certain <laughs> things is just them blowing up in your face. But the upshot of this is, and I knew this from before and was looking forward to this part, is once it's done, you have like supersonic ears. Oh, <laughs> I'm jealous. I can hear everything. Don't you have um what's that what's that disorder where you can't stand certain sounds? Miso Yes something. Yes, so an incessant sniffler at work, I'm going to want to kill him even more because I will hear it. <laughs> <laughs> what's it called though? What what is that thing? Um called? Misophonia. Misophonia. I saw someone on Reddit use that word recently and I was like, ah, I know what that is because Lauren told me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love that for you. I'm glad that you can hear great. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I have been having uh, an okay week. I've been sick. It it wasn't Mm -hmm. COVID, but my partner and I have both been sick with this like cold slash flu thing that has just kept us sniffling. Speaking of sniffles, we've been (laughs) sniffling all week and... I've been getting so many nosebleeds. Like, I I have been getting them since I was a kid. I guess my nose gets really dry. This is the episode where we talk about bodily functions, I guess. Yes. Yeah, the gross Um, things that happen in our bodies. But it is relevant (laughs) to mental health because... (laughs) Funny story of how, like, you let little things ruin your day and just let you drag into depression. 
mm-hmm. um, on Tuesday. So I have Wednesdays off now, as we discussed. And yeah. so Tuesday night, I was feeling good. I was ready to go on a walk and get shit done because it was sunny and like 60 degrees and it, the weather hasn't been mm-hmm. the best here lately. So I was like, great. I, I'm never going to feel this motivated again. The weather's never going to be this great again. I, if I don't <laughs> right, go on a walk right. now, I'm just never going to go on a walk and I'm going to be sad and anxious for the rest yeah. of my day off. <laughs> and so I got my hoodie on. It was this yellow band hoodie that I got the, on a, the first concert I ever went to with Brett. Uh, I felt cute. I had a backpack uh-huh. on. I had my new checkered Vans on. I had my uh-huh. earbuds in and then I decided to blow my nose once before going out the door oh, and no. I just had a torrential nosebleed that oh, lasted no. for 30 minutes <gasps> and by the time it was done the sun was setting and I didn't feel like going on a walk anymore and I had blood spatters on the yellow hoodie oh. and it's basically ruined <laughs> and so after that I just I still went on a walk it was a shorter walk but you know I changed hoodies and I went on a walk and I'm really proud of myself for doing that but well, like good good but my mood wasn't the same. Exactly. It's not the excitement of like, oh, I'm going to go out and enjoy this nice day. Yeah. And I, one thing about depression is like every little thing feels like part of a plot against you. Yes. And so oh this, gosh, so this whole week, if there's one thing I can think of to sum up my week in terms of mental health, it's just that feeling. Like everything is out to get me. Everyone hates me. Um, None of my plans are destined to work out. And of course, you know, I was supposed to post a poll to the podcast Instagram this week, which is so dumb. No one cares if we skip a poll week. This is a hobby. We do this for (laughs) us, you know, Mm -hmm. partly. But like my perfectionism seizes onto that. It's like you are a failure because you didn't post to Instagram and you just shouldn't be making a podcast at all. Yeah. Well, you should, because I could not do this on my own. I don't have the know-how. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't have the emotional capacity to do this on my own anymore, (laughs) which is why you're here. And today we're talking about a children's movie because we don't have the um, capacity right now to talk about anything else. Exactly. So, Lauren, what movie are we talking about today? We are talking about Inside Out. Yes, Inside Out, the 2015 Pixar film. Uh, Have you seen this before? I had seen about two-thirds of it. It came out, yeah, 2015 was the first time that I went to treatment. And so it came come out not long before. Everybody there, you know, a lot of people were super obsessed with it. So we put it on one day, especially because the place I went specifically at the time did a lot of IFS therapy, which what is, is that? I think it's Integrated Family Systems. Oh, that sounds terrible. Well, it doesn't mean family like your family. It means family like all the parts working inside of you. So, I mean, this movie is like a description of IFS, pretty much. Oh, interesting. I'm sure we'll get into that more as we talk about this. Yeah. But so, you know, like, that's why it was especially big there. We put it on. It was kind of like later when I was in treatment. So, you know, I probably couldn't finish watching it because I had to go, like, go shopping so that I could do the client creation meal or something stupid like that. But I never finished it. (laughs) You're free. So if if anyone's never been in eating disorder treatment or any sort of like treatment, your time is very limited. Like your free time is very limited and you only have a certain amount of time. You can be on your laptop and use your devices and stuff. So like when I was in treatment, I was allowed to order Amazon stuff like during one Mm -hmm. slotted hour a day. Okay. And they might be watching a movie in the other room and I might want to join, but if I didn't order a bathrobe, I just wouldn't have a bathrobe, you know? Yeah, because this was just, you know, we put on the DVD for like everyone. It was in like the group room. But especially another thing is later when you're more, I guess, 
consider it rehabilitated in a treatment <laughs> setting, then they then they do try to start introducing more like real world things. You know, it's not going to be like, well, everyone's just going to coddle you and feed you food. That's how you're going to get through life. They start to be like, go shopping, make a meal. So yeah. Oh, you have so more like you're talking things. about actually going out shopping. Yeah. Oh, see, like, I went to treatment after COVID. Oh, and so yeah. So I thought you were talking about things. online shopping. <laughs> Ooh, that's no, wild. Yeah, they, they take a group of us to the grocery store, which that, that'll be a story for another time. But yeah, so I watched about, yeah, like I said, like two thirds of it and just never thought of it again and always wanted to finish it because I liked it. <laughs> this is a great movie. Spoiler alert. I also saw it for the first time in treatment, I believe. So I've seen this movie three times total. Uh, four now. I watched yeah. it this morning. It's fresh in my mind. Uh, we had a lot of internet buffer problems, and we literally had to whip <laughs> out the computer halfway through and upgrade our internet to keep going. <laughs> That's how dedicated I am to this podcast. But yeah, I saw it in treatment in 2021. And then I want to say I watched it with a friend afterward. And then I watched it with my family. And since moving to Virginia, I just love this movie. I don't really watch kids movies. In fact, mm-hmm. I avoid them because I'm the oldest of seven and I grew up with just kids content everywhere. And then I worked at an elementary school in my early 20s oh, and I watched I even, you know, I, I just don't <laughs> yeah. like kid stuff. This movie had not shown up on my radar. And then once I watched it, it absolutely floored me. I, I've been calling it a kid's movie, but it's not just a kid's movie. Like the stuff that they talk about in this movie. Oh, no, no, no. So let me just read a summary okay. that Pixar released. So... Mm-hmm. Growing up can be a bumpy road, and it's no exception for Riley, who is uprooted from her Midwest life when her father starts a new job in San Francisco. Like all of us, Riley is guided by her emotions, joy, fear, anger, disgust, and sadness. The emotions live in headquarters, the control center inside Riley's mind, where they help advise her through everyday life. As Riley and her emotions struggle to adjust to a new life in San Francisco, turmoil ensues in headquarters. Although Joy, Riley's main and most important emotion, tries to keep things positive, the emotions conflict on how best to navigate a new city house and school. So I'm very impressed with how abstract this movie is. Yeah. Just the sheer <laughs> imagination it took. Um, and I, I did a little bit of reading about like the making of this movie. Mm-hmm. And one thing I think it's really important to say right off the bat is this movie is about the emotions of a middle schooler. Yeah. And she's um, 11. <laughs> yeah. So the director, Pete Doctor, he was inspired in 2009 to make this movie because of changes that his preteen daughter was going through. And okay. they didn't make it for five and a half years because for five and a half years, they were literally consulting psychologists and neuroscientists to make oh, wow. sure that they made an accurate portrayal of the mind. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's really cool. Yeah, there was a moment I know, I, probably when she was like in her new school, and I remembered um, my mom actually said when she was young, and she was ha- having like a lot of trouble around that age, you know, one of her teachers was talking to her, like trying to, I don't know, I mean, <laughs> I say make her feel better, but you know, <laughs> it was kind of a bleak thing, but I, you know, probably just that he understood, and that's what, you know, like she was struggling with some people, and he's just like, I honestly think sixth grade girls are the meanest people on the planet. Totally. I mean, <laughs> yes. <laughs> when I was in sixth grade, I was homeschooled, and so I never really had to deal with other girls my age until high school, like senior year of high school and college, mm-hmm. and And honestly, like, they scared me for a long time, like other girls my age specifically. 
Yeah, and that's what I feel like people, like, movies like to center around, you know, like, the mean girls are in high school and stuff like that, but, man, I agree, like, I feel like those junior high years get passed over, and those are some of the absolute 100% roughest. Did you watch the after credit scene? So I wondered if there was more, because I feel like there's sometimes more than you think. We won't talk about it now, but the, okay. they do actually go into the minds of, like, the bullies at the, during that, the credits. Yes. Yeah, okay, I did watch that. So yep. you find out that the bullies are just as insane secure and mm-hmm. emotional as the rest. <laughs> so this movie starts with the birth of Riley, who is the girl. And at the moment that she is born, her first emotion is also born. And joy is the first emotion that she feels and thus the first emotion that comes into existence. And um, you just kind of see her childhood. Joy just wants Riley to be happy. And she's always like feeding her pleasant memories to encourage that. But then as Riley grows, you see other emotions come into existence. Uh, The emotions that they talked about in the description. So like fear, sadness, anger, disgust. Disgust. My very first note says, I love disgust. Disgust is the best, (laughs) voiced by Mindy Kaling. Uh, The cast is so good. I know. That that too, when I saw at the end, they all ran by. I was like, oh my god. Yeah. So curious about something. I didn't think of it since you mentioned, you know, that when she's born, then her first emotion, Joy, is born, who kind of, you know, controls the whole group. That interests me because when you see into her parents, sadness is kind of controlling her mom and anger is kind of controlling her dad. So were those their first emotions? Maybe either the first emotions or, you know, they've lived a lot of life. And you see, by spoiler alert, mm-hmm. by the end of this movie, Joy learns to kind of let the other emotions take control every once in a while when it's appropriate because she has recognized that sometimes you need to let the other emotions drive. And and Riley is a young girl and her parents. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe over time, the parents have learned to kind of like maybe well, they have did, dominant emotions. I did notice, you know, like they, they kind of centered one as, you know, like this is the controlling the, the middle one controlling everyone in the parents, but they did clearly seem more like diplomatically running I guess you know like they were adults they'd learned like yes I may be the overseeing person but you know I take everyone else into account so I felt like it did show that parents have kind of learned to regulate sometimes yeah sometimes it's (laughs) so funny like this movie does mostly center on what's going on inside Riley's head but every now and then like we've said they kind of show you vignettes into other Mm -hmm. characters heads and it's so entertaining Yeah. (laughs) So before the opening title even plays, you get to know all the different emotions. You kind of see the role they play in everyday life. Uh, You kind of see them working together. But at the end of the day, Joy seems to have everything under control. And she's talking about how, you know, good moments lead to a good life. Like being happy leads to a good life. And we're going to give Riley a great life. What can go wrong? And then you learn that she is moving. (laughs) Joy is very clearly a type A. (laughs) Oh, my God. We will talk about her. Did you know that my middle name is Joy? You said that, I don't know. A couple episodes ago. Okay, I forget. Yes, that's all right. I do that too all the time. <laughs> I was like, Brett, I don't think I've ever said what my middle name is on the podcast before. <laughs> but yeah, my middle name is Joy. And I felt a lot of frustration and even anger sometimes towards the Joy character in this movie. And I think it's because like, she's so obnoxious. And this movie at the end of the day, I think is commenting on toxic positivity. Yes. Because yes. like... Oh my God, at the beginning. So they move to San Francisco from Minnesota. She loses her friends. She loses her hockey team. Hockey is a big part of her family's life. 
and she hates her new house. And then she starts expressing discontentment at being in her new situation. And then her parents, when they're tucking her into bed, they're like, you're just our happy girl. Like, we're so happy. Ah. <laughs> like, we want our happy. <laughs> what do they say exactly? I wanted to get to that because, yeah, that's one that I wrote down where it says, like, Throughout it all, you've stayed our happy girl. And I just wrote in huge capital letters, ouch. Yep. <laughs> I was I was like, yikes. Because they're just putting all this pressure on her to be their happy girl. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, like that happens very early on in the movie. So I even remembered that from the first time I watched it, that the first time, the first thing that makes me think of is, I'm sure I've told the story on here before, where my my mom told me, you know, like, oh, I had your brother, and I had my boy, and I had your sister, and I had my girl, but she had her problems, and I was so glad that I had you, because then I got to have my healthy girl. <gasps> and that was exactly what that Holy makes me think shit. of every time. And yeah, and it is a gut punch both times. <laughs> Uh, that is that we could talk about that for a whole episode yeah. <laughs> uh, in and of itself, because of course now, you know, you're 42 years old with an eating disorder. <laughs> I wrote, I was reading some old treatment journals and I literally wrote, I'm so sad for my childhood self because she turned out to be a 30 year old addict who doesn't know how to eat. LOL. <laughs> it's just, it's kind of funny when you think about it. Okay, so yeah, she's not happy. She goes to her new school and has a terrible experience. What happens? Yeah, um, it's it's the typical thing as a new student in in a new school. They're like, oh, stand up and tell about yourself. And you can see that she's uncomfortable and she doesn't really want to. And they're like, oh, no, talk some more. And yeah, so then in her head, then you see, you know, Joy takes control and she starts telling a happy story but the other emotions start to come in and she ends up feeling the like nostalgia and sadness about leaving him behind and you know ends up kind of crying in front of the class which yep. is which is also a nightmare the reason it happens is because fear is starting to take control and i thought it was so funny that at the, before she goes to the school fear is listing off all the worst possible outcomes so they can prepare he's like quicksand uh, an explosion, yeah. uh, talking in front of the class. <laughs> Is that the one where he's like, I'm so glad we decided earthquakes aren't real. <laughs> yeah, earthquakes, not explosions, whatever it was. Like, oh, dear. Yeah, it's so funny. Um, and then so Joy is trying to take back over. She starts playing this memory, this happy memory. And then suddenly the memory starts turning sad. And you see mm-hmm. that it has. it's because sadness has sneaked over and touched the happy core memory. And you learn that there's different kinds of memories. The core memories are the ones that are really important and mm-hmm. have cemented themselves as part of her personality. Uh, we got to explain so much. The core memories power her personality islands. I mean, I feel like we don't have to explain every <laughs> okay, okay. everything about the movie. <laughs> yeah, we're not a movie review podcast. But yeah, her, exactly. her personality islands are like goofball island, family island, friendship island, all the parts of her personality. And so when sadness yeah, touches... Like make the, you up. Yeah, so when, so when sadness touches this happy core memory and it starts turning sad and that leads to her crying in front of the whole class then Joy starts fighting with sadness and they fuck shit up. That's right where they end up, I don't know, I mean, there's a whole, like, imaginary factory that they have for these people, so they either get, like, sucked up through a tube and taken away from her main <laughs> Yeah, they somehow section. end up, they end up sucked into a tube and get sent to long-term memory, and so in, they're stuck there and they have to get back to headquarters, and so Riley is just stuck with yeah. only fear, sadness, and disgust to guide her. The idea her. is that these two very important emotions have just, like, disappeared from the middle of her brain, so she's not able to feel these two things until they can get back. Yep. 
And so Riley starts spiraling. She starts getting more upset and her personality islands start falling. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a question for you. Yeah. Which of your personality islands have fallen in your life? I don't know if I thought so much of the islands as I thought of other things. Okay. Yeah. Again, again, we're we're not a review podcast, so it doesn't matter if these are kind of out of order. I was thinking of things like they come across her childhood imaginary friend. Yes, they find him in long-term memory. He's stumbling around. Yes, but I mean... In, in things like they go through imagination land. And that one I know I thought about a lot because I have thought in the past, I don't feel like I have the capacity for the wild creativity I had as a kid. Like I have too much realism yeah. as an adult that doesn't let that happen. So yeah, they show a kind of, you know, like this is no longer needed, you know, like this, this is totally forgotten. Yeah. And I was like, I get that. <laughs> I, I experienced a lot of sadness watching this movie because like you, I, I feel like I didn't really have a lot of imagine. I mean, I did have a lot of imagination in my childhood. I was a very creative kid, but a lot of it got smothered. And especially as I grew up, it got forgotten mm-hmm. about because I was dealing with addiction and depression and all this stuff. Uh, and so, yeah, I felt a lot of child like sadness for my forgotten childhood memories. One of the personality islands that I think fell for me in early years was the whimsy island. <laughs> Like, I used Uh to be so whimsical and creative and, like, you know, imaginary friends and all that shit, like they show in the movie. And and after a certain time, I just had so many responsibilities, I just kind of forgot about that side of me. Yeah, a lot of sad moments (laughs) reflecting on this. I wrote, memory, let's talk about it. Okay. (laughs) I mean, this movie shows memories as tangible objects. Oh, fuck. My mom's calling me. Should I force her to be on speaker? You, I okay. mean, she won't be able to hear you. Okay. <laughs> hey, mom, we're, I'm recording a podcast with Lauren right now. Uh, okay, t- tell her hi, and I'll talk to you later. Okay. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. <laughs> Ginger Lou says hi. Um, we could have cut that out, but it's fun to see behind the scenes sometimes. It's funny because right before we started recording, then I get this text message from my dad that's just like, call me, please. Oh, shit. <laughs> he always does that. Like, the, the reason that he wanted me to call is because he is, and we talked in the last episode, I think, that, you know, he's coming to visit here next week now. All he wanted to know is he was like, about how long does it take to drive there? That couldn't have just been a text or like a Google search. Well, exactly. He'd asked me that, I know, before when he was first talking about visiting here, and he was like, how long does it take to get to get from from here to St. Louis? And I was like, I don't know. What does Google Maps tell you? <laughs> was my answer. <laughs> maybe that's maybe he's just trying to connect Lauren. Maybe that's the only thing he can think of to reach out to ask for directions. Well, big deal. You're gonna be here in a week, and I'll be there in person. You don't need to. <laughs> I don't feel sorry for you in this case. Um, but back to memories. Memories are literal marbles. That you color coded can... based on like the dominating emotion. Yes, they're color coded and they can change colors as we've established. Like sadness mm-hmm. turned a happy memory into a sad one, which becomes important at the end of the movie. And so, yeah, Joy and Sadness are now working with her imaginary friend to try to get these core memories back so she can be happy and fix her life. Oh, yeah, because not only does she not have access to Joy or Sadness as emotions, they've also got all the core memories with them. 
<laughs> yeah, so. they have all the core memories, so she doesn't really so have she a personality. Even, yeah, really have like what makes her her. I think it's interesting that like as we find out at the end of the movie, like sadness is not an emotion that you want to not have. Like sadness is actually pretty important. Like sometimes you have to access sadness to access your emotions and move on. Yeah, and an interesting thing I was just thinking is so we've established she really she does not have access to sadness, but I would say that she in this point is very much depressed and Yeah. That just tells me like a, a lot of people think that depression is sadness and a lot of times they're not even related like I just see they they really made her as just like a numb empty shell and that to me is what depression is for me at least that's what I was gonna say you hit the nail on the head like she is depressed or at least moving towards depression but sadness is absent and Mm -hmm. she doesn't she isn't able to ultimately get out of it so to speak, until she accesses sadness again. And I think that's so interesting because, yeah, like you said, when you're depressed, you just don't feel emotions in many cases. And like my happiest or most cathartic moments, at least, have been when I did access sadness and like cry a lot. There's this, there's yeah. a quote in about crying sadness oh, at I one point. I hope it's the one that I wrote. I, I wrote it down like <laughs> verbatim if you want it. Crying helps me slow down and obsess over the weight of life's problems. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, also, Sadness is voiced by Phyllis Smith from The Office, and it's the best thing. She's the best. Oh my gosh, She's my favorite character. I love her. It's so perfect. So much. (laughs) So I'm trying to think of any key moments we need to talk about that happened in the movie. Yeah, let me see what else I I wrote. Oh, (laughs) I mean, you told me beforehand that when you first watch it, then you you said, like, oh, I cried so much at this. And I'm not, in general, really, like cry at movies sort of person but there will be points you know that kind of like might tear up or get close and I feel like the closest in this movie is where sadness and joy are with the imaginary friend and they're in you know like the ultimate like forgotten realm and they have to get back out and their imaginary friend basically sacrifices himself yeah <laughs> that was the one that was the big one where I just and I looked at myself and I was just like oh my gosh you're almost crying because a character named Bing Bong just <laughs> Who's made out of cotton candy and is half cat, half dolphin, half elephant. (laughs) Well, so yeah, so the reason that they fall into the abyss of forgotten memories is because Joy has decided that she's going to leave behind sadness and try to get back to headquarters on her own because sadness is just going to fuck up everything. Sadness is holding her back. So she jumps into the tube to try to shoot herself back to headquarters. She falls with Bing Bong somehow into the abyss of forgotten memories and you see her just sad down there uh she's going through all the old memories blowing the dust off of them and they're fading away before her eyes Mm -hmm. and then she picks up the core memory that she's been trying to get back it's a memory of riley at a game and her parents are there with her hugging her and her teammates are surrounding her celebrating with her yeah and then she turns it over and she noticed this is the one that sadness has touched and it's part blue now which means it's like tinged with sadness and she notices Mm -hmm. that the reason that her parents came over to comfort riley is because she was she had fucked up in the game and she was sad and she was sitting over by herself and it's only when she was wallowing in her sadness so to speak that her parents came over and comforted her and it turned it into a good memory yeah that was one of the most cool scenes i felt like how they did that because you know they show her in the happy memory and they basically just kind of like rewind and like take it back to sadness and show how like that actually started it what is that common metaphor that they use in sobriety communities? Uh, play the tape forward. 
Oh, uh-huh. You know, I kind of roll my eyes when someone tells me that. But, like, it's true. When you're in your darkest moments, you're feeling blue, maybe you just fucked up or something. Like, play the tape forward. And I think people use that phrase to scare you. They're like, play yeah. the tape forward. If you relapse, things are going to get bad. But sometimes it helps me to think, okay, play the tape forward. Things aren't going to be this bad forever. Yeah. Like, turn that around. When you said rewind, that's just what yeah. it made me think of. <laughs> But yeah, it's a really cool thing. And I think in that moment, Joy realizes that she can't do it by herself. She needs sadness. Yes, where she realizes all the emotions are needed. Bing Bong sacrifices himself to get Joy out of the abyss. And she and Sadness end up back in headquarters. And then she finally lets Sadness take the reins and get Riley out of a precarious situation. Because Riley's been up to some shit in the meantime. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What's been going on with Riley? Well, all of the remaining emotions have decided that the only place where she was making these happy memories was back... They they moved from Minnesota. Yeah. And uh, was, was back there. So if they go back there, therefore they should be able to make more happy memories. Yeah, (laughs) middle schooler logic. Exactly. So, you know, so of course they they let her have the idea that she is just going to buy herself a bus ticket and head on back. And she steals her mom's credit card to buy the bus ticket. Oh yeah, that's where Honesty Island uh, collapses. (laughs) Honesty (laughs) Island is gone. Family Island is gone. Uh, Mm -hmm. She's heading down a dark path. And honestly, Lauren, I kind of loved it. Mm -hmm. Because it was so real. Honesty Island is just like flat out fucked. They're just like, (laughs) well, you know, like now you found out you can lie and yeah, be sneaky and terrible. But Family Island just like slowly crumbled. You know, it was like her mom called and you'd see she thinks like, should I answer? And she's like, no, I'm, you know, like not going to. And she, you know, hits ignore and then like a section falls off. Yeah, I think that's really cool too. Cool that, yeah, it was just like bit by bit. They're just kind of like she's turning her back a little more on them. And that's how it happens in real life with your personality exactly. parts disappearing. Mm-hmm. When mental illness is involved, especially, sometimes it happens instantaneously and sometimes it does just happen slowly until one day, we, one day you wake up and you're like, oh wow, I've lost Piano Island. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I haven't played piano in five years. I mean, or like. The, the family one would even be, you know, like me now. It's not, you know, like I was annoyed that my, my dad was just like insistent at this moment, but it was just kind of like, it wasn't me just suddenly saying like, oh, well now I hate my family. That whole island's gone. It was just kind of like, can you not right now? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm going through. I My notes are no longer digital. You've inspired me to take <laughs> physical notes now, but now I have to ruffle through them. Yeah, I'm looking. I didn't take a ton of notes, but I felt like I took important ones. So I want to make sure I touch on pretty much. Oh all yeah, of them. totally. I mean, we're basically at the end of the movie at this point. I think when sadness takes over, something changes. She just kind of uh, Riley just breaks down and starts crying. And there's this one, there's this one shot that just destroys me, which is when it's a close-up shot of Riley in her parents' arms. Uh, They have come to the bus stop. She's gotten off the bus because she's thought of the memory with her family and she feels sadness and she gets off the bus and she just starts crying. The camera like zooms on her eyes and she starts crying, Mm -hmm. but you also see this like smile of relief and you hear this sigh of relief. The sound design in this movie is incredible also. And it's just so many emotions because we've all been there. Is that when um, she gets the first memory that's kind of like two-toned? Yeah, she starts feeding her the two-toned memories and you see the sad side. Because she is. She's finally allowed to feel, you know, like the sadness. But then, like you said, she gets that little smile because it's just kind of like, oh my gosh, you know, like I, I can 
I can break down now. I, I don't have to, yeah, be this <laughs> yeah like totally unfeeling person. And that actually gives her a little bit of comfort, it seems like. So she gets this kind of like blue and yellow. Memory. Yeah. And then from there on, she's able to move on and start establishing a new life in San Francisco. Yeah. And then you see a bunch of marbles that are like, they'll, they'll be green and red, or they'll be blue and purple or something like that. And I know I made a note there. I was like, oh, this is like getting rid of black and white thinking. Oh my God, I didn't even notice that. <laughs> but that's true. And I think she's lucky she learned it pretty early on. That's what I was thinking too. I was just like, yeah, that's kind of something you come to. And I felt like, I was like, wow, that's, I'm maybe jealous. Took me twice as long at least. <laughs> right? Okay, so that's basically the plot of the movie. Now we can start touching on more of our notes because I feel like you still have a bunch. I don't have a ton, but I feel like we could, I feel like more things will come up as we talk about just. Yeah. yeah. So I thought it was super interesting to think about the emotions like taking over. I mean, we touched on this at the beginning, the concept of dominant emotions that start to kind of take charge and form your identity. And it made me think of my own. Mm -hmm. And right now, if I had to pick an emotion that was like running the show, I think it would be fear for me. Yeah. Because, you know, I struggle with anxiety and... Everything feels scary lately. What about you? For me, I feel like, unfortunately, this doesn't make me sound like a healthy, well-adjusted person, but you're you know, not. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Get off the podcast right now. Oh no! But, but I, I kind of feel more like in in the position where nobody is really in in control and I'm trying not to feel any of them. Um, I did make a note. One of the visuals that really affected me was when the remaining emotions, I believe, uh, I believe joy and sadness are still gone. The remaining ones are at the control panel and they can't control what she does and it looks like the control panel is basically turning into stone. Yeah, the controls freeze up, they can't reboot it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, sadness ends up coming and fixing it, and they can't do anything until then. So yeah, that's that's kind of where I feel right now, where I'm just kind of like, you know what, you don't deserve to feel yeah anxiety or to feel sad or to feel happy. Just, you're nothing. <laughs> yeah. Did you know they're making a sequel to this movie? I, I think I saw that just when I was like looking up like where I was going to watch it. Then I saw something about a second one coming out. I was like, oh. Okay. Yeah. So um, Inside Out 2 is coming out June 14th, 2024. And there's a bunch of things that I hope they address in it. Yeah, I didn't look anything about like what it's supposed to be about, but I'm assuming it's going to be kind of like an older, like, I don't know, I was thinking maybe teenager. Yeah, I think she's going to be a teenager. I also didn't look up, but I did start writing a list of things that I hope that they address, like hypotheticals. One of them was mental illness. I mean, mm -hmm. obviously, this is a mental illness podcast, uh, mental health podcast, really, but we have mental illness. And I really was wondering, like, what happens in someone's head, like, in, in this universe of Inside Out, like, when someone does have a mental illness, like... Oh, I have a theory on that. Tell me. Because <laughs> at one point, you know, when, when they are traveling through all these, like, back roads, <laughs> you know, like, the long-term memory and stuff like that, they hit the area called the subconscious, and there's a quote where they say, this is where we put all the troublemakers. Yes. And I thought of the troublemakers as, like, deviations from the norm and might be considered 
mental problems. I thought that was so interesting too. You see like the the things that she kind of pushes to the side are visualized as literally being pushed into a train car or like pushed mm-hmm. like she has this fenced off area that joy and sadness have to go through that is her deepest fears. Uh-huh. Oh, I, what would be in your deepest fears? Like what would you put behind a fence? Oh my god. Um <laughs> For me, it's like vulnerability, I think, or like rejection, abandonment. Yeah, rejection's definitely a good one. Financial ruin. Being completely alone. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I thought that was interesting. And I think, I don't know, I guess I really wanted this movie to go in a darker direction. Yeah. I mean, not want. I'm curious to see if they'll take it in a darker direction in the sequel. That's what I'm thinking, too. Because like we've said, this is an 11-year-old. Yeah. At the end of the movie, Joy is like, she's 12. What can happen? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's where she's like, what is this puberty button? (laughs) This movie is so funny, also. Like, there's so many jokes that are clearly aimed towards adults. Like, at one point, they're on the train, and Joy has knocked over a bunch of boxes with tiles. And she said, ah, these these facts and opinions all look the same. And Bing Bong is like, oh, it's okay. You can mix them up. It happens all the time. (laughs) Yeah. So funny. I, I also really loved like towards the end where she is uh, on her hockey team and you know like she's she's feeling better and everything's come together where she bumps into the the boy yeah. and so, it says something and you just see like every single emotion in his brain is just going oh girl shit a girl. Yeah, I, I love that so much. I think mm-hmm. I want to say that Pixar released a short. Okay. I don't know. You you d- they have released like a little short film where in which Riley interacts with that boy. That's why I was wondering um, if there might have been something because, like I said, I, I saw the the post credit stuff, but I knew sometimes in Pixar movies they actually after all of it have like a little extra scene. So I was like, well, if that happened, I didn't see it. <laughs> and I yeah, if they did this movie like is definitely worth watching the after credit scenes. What emotions did this movie make you feel? That we, I mean, we talked about some already, like the sadness. Oh, I guess I, I could say, because there are some that I've made note of, because they do give everybody these five basic emotions. And, and, and you know, I would, I would think of sometimes like, well, where's this one? What about this emotion? And now I think like maybe those are what are created once they're allowed to start kind of like mixing. But I know some that I was missing, like first I was missing loneliness. Yeah. And then a big one that I was missing was uh, like a humiliation or embarrassment. They actually talk about this in the wiki page. So they mm-hmm. had a lot of emotions that they were going to do that they scrapped for whatever reason. For instance, they identified seven emotions early. Anger, fear, sadness, disgust, joy, contempt, and surprise. They removed mm-hmm. surprise because it was too close to fear. Okay. Contempt was also abandoned. Um, some other emotions that they scrapped were irritation, envy, greed, gloom, despair, depression, love, schadenfreude, uh, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> shame, embarrassment, and hope. There were 26 that they started with. So I think there is a promise of more emotions further down the road. But that's an interesting idea. Yeah, and and because like you said, some of the ones that that were scrapped, and you know, and we talked about, I talked about some that I felt were missing, and I was just like really quick, just like spitballing off the top of my head. I was like, oh yeah, so contempt, I could see that being disgust and anger mixed together. 
surprise, I could see that being fear and joy. Shame, I could see that being sadness and, what was I thinking? Fear, sadness and fear. Sadness yeah. and fear. I mean, like, I could see those being like mixes, yeah. They're all mixes. It's like at the end of the day, nothing is black and white. So it makes white. sense that they're not saying, you know, like you only have five emotions. Yeah. It's just kind of like they all mix together to make all these other ones that you feel. I wonder if there's inside out fan fiction that exists. <laughs> because okay one thing that i thought about a lot is like what happens when riley takes drugs or like has to go on oh. medication yeah you know are they gonna explore that i mean there's so many things they're so good at things like how they illustrate the inside of your head it's so yeah good. i'd love to see like what they do with something like that yeah like do the emotions get ptsd like, can the emotions get sick? And, like, maybe medication is the only thing that can get them better. How are the emotions distorted? And, like, how is their ability to control her brain impeded by drugs, for instance? Like, uh-huh. I think that would be really interesting to see. But it is a Pixar movie, so I'm not sure <laughs> if we're going to... Yeah. If they're going to deliver on the, that. It might... Well, they might not make her, like, a drug addict, but, you know, I could see, like, taking say psychiatric medication i mean because that's the thing people have to do yeah addressing that this movie is makes me very emotional i texted you at the beginning like watching this with another person was a bad (laughs) idea because i immediately just started crying in the opening scene and i don't know why it's like the the fact that this movie exists and that it is so beautiful and it talks about sadness and depression in such an accessible way that children can watch. And it's just, at the end of the day, if there's anything I can say about this movie, it's incredibly validating and it, mm-hmm. it validates those parts of my personality that I think are weaknesses. And it's just an incredible, incredible movie. Yeah, I... I- felt similar like from the very beginning I was like oh my gosh why is this already like (laughs) making me like stirring up things and you know it probably is because of what I said a bit ago which is kind of feeling like I've shut down most emotions and things like that and you know they're showing all these like births of emotions in the beginning I was like oh that's what it's like to feel things (laughs) oh yeah so right from the start it was just like oh yeah, it's hard. <laughs> you know, when your emotions have been offline for a while, it's really painful and scary to feel things sometimes. Like, I think this movie, it, it made me uncomfortable how much it made me feel because I wasn't used to accessing those emotions, yeah. you know? Oh, yeah. A, a, a big one. I feel like this is the only thing on my notepad that I haven't really touched on yet is I made the note in the middle. Um, when you suppress sadness, then you lose joy. Mm, you're right. That's a really good point. I feel like, yeah, that's that's kind of one of the main points they're trying to make is because <laughs> they keep they're clearly making the point that it's like you have to feel sad at some point. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're not going to be able to access the happy emotions if you just... If you force it all the time. Yeah, yeah. if you force it all the time. And it's not subtle at all, really, th- that they drive home that point of like mm-hmm. the toxic positivity ultimately being, well, toxic. Yeah. <laughs> It's extremely satisfying to see that portrayal. Mm -hmm. So what are your predictions for Riley? They can be humorous. Like, Brett was like, you guys should make predictions on, like, what's going to happen to Riley in the sequel. (laughs) And I was like, I think she's going to become a heroin addict. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she's obviously going to get depressed and go on meds. And then her dad's going to lose his job and they won't have health insurance. And then she's going to drop out of school and become a... She's going to move to LA and become a heroin addict. 
and end up in Olympia, Washington on drugs. Wow. <laughs> I don't know why I pulled Olympia, Washington. It was just like the most <laughs> <laughs> in the middle of nowhere place. Uh, my cat Fang is from Olympia, Washington, actually. Oh. Well, I know you were in that area. When you got yeah, it. it's very sad. It's very depressing. I mean, I just think that, that you know, they're going to focus a lot on more like romantic relationships and things like that. So, yeah, if there's going to be trouble, I'm wondering like, is there going to be rejection from liking somebody and not feeling it back? Is someone going to go too far with her and upset her? <laughs> yeah. I wonder if they'll touch on sex at all. Yeah, I, I would hope they do. I, I hope mean, they do. Not, not in a very, you know, like, I, I don't think she's going to get raped. No. In a Pixar movie. Oh, God, but, no. But. No. I, I mean, it is Pixar, but at the same time, like, it's Pixar. They're capable. If, if anyone can do it, yeah. they can do it. But, I mean, I don't think they're going to have a scene where, you know, it's like, she's going to buy condoms to. <laughs> Mom, Dad, I'm pregnant. <laughs> Yeah, but I do think, like, it, in a way that they know that adults will know what's up, they will probably at least subtly hint to the question of, like, am, am I old enough to decide to have sex now? Yeah. And obviously yeah. I was kidding with all the drug addictions and drug yeah. stuff. Like, <laughs> I think, yeah, they are going to handle romance. I think they're going to handle maybe pressure, like peer pressure, um, mm -hmm. maybe pressure from adults to, like, figure out her life. I think they're going to touch on that. I was really missing that I was hoping um, we would see more of and they just kind of like totally deviated from this story is we do get a scene of her in the new school. I was hoping we were going to see a lot of like interaction with the, with being the new kid and with the other kids in school. Yeah, I think for me, I am perfectly satisfied with the amount of that that they gave us. I think they're definitely going to go into it more in the sequel, like yeah. her friendships and stuff and just the mm -hmm. awkwardness of navigating school. Like, I think this movie, they focused on like the big changes in her life, like the external changes yeah. and how to a young kid, it just truly uproots everything. Because I feel like in this one, more of like getting into the friendship side was actually talking to her friend back at home where, you know, she's talking to her friend and, you know, like missing her. And at this point, then um, like anger starts to take control. So she just starts to get upset. Just like, well, fine. You know, like if you're having such a great time without me, then... I guess we're not friends anymore. That was so relatable. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, my God. I think that's one reason this movie made me so sad is because it, it made me think about all the friendships that I've lost over the years. Ugh, it's just no one wants to think about that, but it happens to everyone, and that's why this is so relatable. Yes. Another moment that I loved was when Sadness was like, I should drive now, right? And yes. then And then Joy is like, nope, nope, nope. Uh, why doesn't Riley eat lunch instead? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I made a note of that yeah. are you telling me that eating lunch is going to fix all my problems Pixar it's going to make you no longer feel sad <laughs> yep. yeah I thought that was really funny oh and then another quote of sadness was does it all have to be so interactive <laughs> when they're going on their oh, adventure I felt that one yes. like, I felt that like, yeah why is mm -hmm. life so interactive I don't have the energy just I think the part that, that made me um, the most sad was seeing, I, I wrote it as losing imagination land. Yeah. I, I related that to the feeling of nostalgia. Just saying, yeah, it's kind of like, oh, I knew like at one point I could access this and I remember that it happened, but I can't access it anymore. 
Exactly. When you see all those childhood memories just fading away, there's a painful moment, at least for Mm -hmm. me, like I experienced pain because I was just like, I do feel so nostalgic, but for memories that I'm no longer able to access. And that's a special kind of pain, I think. And, you know, trauma and depression and all that does make you forget things like it does impact your memory. It's scientifically proven. Because I, I was, you know, like thinking of this in terms of like, you know, it made me sad, but I was just kind of like, is losing some of this kind of like necessary to grow up? And I just put it together because we talked about who controls her parents. And you said like, maybe it changes over the years. And I wondered just now if like, when you start to lose that stuff, because you have to grow up and be an adult, is that like when sadness took over for her mom? <gasps> Probably. That is such a good point. Sometimes it is necessary to burn bridges and lose things to grow. And sometimes it's not even necessary to grow. It's just necessary for survival. Talking about this actually is just an overall thing that I really, really enjoyed about this movie is that they do let you interpret a lot of the stuff how you want to. Totally. I thought that was really cool. Like they put it out there and you can be like, oh, this is, you know, like this must be when I felt this. That's, you know describing this feeling or when this happens but it's not set out like this is what we're telling you is going on it's just kind of like oh I think this is this thing that I remember in my life yeah (laughs) this movie I mean all the Pixar movies are super nostalgic this one Mm -hmm. will touch you in a different way I think if you want to access emotions this will do it yeah (laughs) yeah I mean final thing that ties into what you just said is I think it's important to show that you know, losing memories and changing is normal and, you know, necessary. But also those parts of your personality that have been destroyed, like you see at the end of the movie that it is possible to rebuild. Yes. And I think it does leave you on a note of hope. I say that. That feels a little hopeful. <laughs> I noticed like Family Island you see gets rebuilt at the end, and it, but it looks different. Like there's now mm-hmm. a little San Francisco, like Golden Gate Bridge on the island (laughs) and symbolizing that she's putting down roots and she's like rebuilt family island but it looks different and i i really loved that because it's Mm -hmm. that's what life is like yeah honestly so yeah um i think y'all should definitely watch this movie if you have not seen it by now Mm -hmm. um let us know what you think let us know what emotions you felt leave us uh, a voicemail if if it hit you in a particular way yeah. Uh, I, I feel like if I hadn't made this episode right after watching it, I would have had to do a serious journal session. Yeah, or if you saw something that we missed. I mean, I, I loved analyzing this. And <laughs> me too. And how it related to me and everyone. Yeah. Good times. Good times on Pickles and Vodka, not a movie review podcast. Ending on a happy note, um, yeah, the, the very end part, my, my last note is just dog and cat emotions and like five <laughs> exclamation points. <laughs> Yes, it's another after credit scene. They they go yeah. into the mind of a dog and a cat, and it's so. Cool. It's like yeah, they're they're first showing like you said, just kind of like extra side characters, you know, like the person at the pizza place where they stop or the classmates. But then at the very end, they show a dog and a cat, and all the cat's emotions are just a wall. Yeah, the, the the cat's emotions aren't even there at first, and then they just kind of like stroll through the screen, just like hey. Yeah, scroll, strolling across the control panel, flipping switches, and making the cat do a bunch of crazy things out of nowhere mm-hmm. and Brett was like that is exactly right and and the dog emotions are all sitting there all you know just like upright like tongue out like ah. yeah it's so good but yeah that's it for today we will see y'all next week but in the meantime follow us on social media oh I 
thought of this last night I was going to tell you because I, I wanted people as well if they have any ideas of any other um, any media really that you want us to cover we talked about doing that occasionally and you know if you have something you specifically want then we can put that on the list for when we have a week of needing to slack off we can pull that up be like oh hey there's that one I thought of that we may hit sometime if you're game because we've only done movies so far. We talked about doing like media. So I was like, what else could we do? I was like, a book. I mean, I'd have to find the time to read it. Well, you're about <laughs> to go to treatment. That's true. Um, and then I thought of music. And for some reason, what came instantly into my mind is, um, do you know the Nine Inch Nails slash Johnny Cash cover of Hurt? Because this came out at a time where I know you weren't super <laughs> exposed to like popular stuff. Yeah, I'm so catching up. I had known it as a Nine Inch Nails song, and it had been one of my favorite Nine Inch Nails songs, and Johnny Cash covered it at the end of his life, and I mean, both of these are, that makes them very different songs, just a, a lot of things you'll feel, a lot of ways you could relate them to mental health type things, and where both of them were at mentally writing this. So I just felt like doing those two together, especially. I love that. I used to give recommendations at the end of my episodes in the very early days of the podcast. And then like, I couldn't find enough cool stuff to share. And so I stopped doing it. <laughs> but I know like I've given song recommendations in the past. Mm -hmm. You know what? I think I have heard that cover. I don't remember exactly, but, and this could just be not an actual fact, like something someone said that's not, I don't know if it's substantiated because the video to the Johnny Cash version, it is clearly a man reflecting on his life when he knows he's about to die. And I, I remember hearing that they said like the video was so disturbing that it was like at an award show, they wouldn't allow it to be played. What? Okay. So in the future, we definitely need to talk about that. <laughs> uh, and other cheerful things. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us what we should cover. Our Instagram is pickles and vodka podcast. And we have a Facebook, Pickles and Vodka. Is it also podcast? podcast? Yeah, it's Pickles and Vodka, a mental health podcast. If you search it on Facebook, you can find us. We've been really bad at updating the social media, but we're trying. And we're there. Like, even if we're not posting, we're on there. We love connecting with y'all. Yeah, we've, we seem to do best on Instagram. You keep up the Pickles and Vodka Instagram really well. We both yeah. are on our personals and, you know... My personal like uh, account is Xtina Jumper. My personal account that's actually my dog's is P-I-C-O-S-A-U-V-E. And that's it. We'll see you yeah. next week with more uh, treatment updates and tangents. And oh, oh, oh my gosh. Next week will be right before I have to do this dinner thing with my dad. So we're going to talk about that and more next week. Okay. <laughs> if we survive. <laughs> yes. Bye. Bye. Bye.